This is Coach Lee, and you're listening to The Door Report. At Vanderbilt, it's Tim Corbin in the Vandy Boys, Jerry Stackhouse on the hardwood, and Clark Lee on the gridiron. Nashville, it's time to sit back, relax, grab a cold one, and enjoy the show. The Music City is our state, and West End is where we rock. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore Nation, anchor down. Welcome back into the Door Report, episode 248 on a pretty lovely Wednesday evening, November 15th, 2023. I am Will Byram, joined as always by my controversial co-host Trevor Hewlin, the Stackhouse Annihilator Trevor Hewlin. Here at the Door Report, we are presented by Corey Perkins of Parks Realty. If you're a first-time home buyer or looking to move homes in the Nashville area, Corey Perkins is your man. You can reach out to Corey via phone call or text at 615-967-8623, or you can reach out to Corey via email at Perkins at Realtracks.com. Realtracks spelled R-E-A-L-T-R-A-C-S.com. Trevor, we have a beefy episode 248 i'm not sure how long of an episode it's going to be we have the meat but we do have the meat this episode we're calling it what are we calling it talking with tdr talking with tdr talking with tdr the first episode that we will be taking calls from tdr listeners i think we have seven or eight uh that will be playing right around there this episode so that should be fun and we have not listened to any of them. oh we that's what so, i needed to have. Yep. we have listened to none of them on purpose so we've got our uh, i've got my note card here to write down if there are any inappropriate calls in uh, that we have to edit out later because the tdr listenership is classless as we've uh, as we've absolute, seen in our apple reviews an absolute recently. degenerate society we used to be a society will we used to be a society we used to be kings <laughs> We, we used to be kings. Those are separate. Vanderbilt used to be kings, and TDR has absolutely spun the Vanderbilt fan base into classlessness yeah. as well. This is honestly the only thing. I've, I've honestly looked at other SEC fan bases, and I'm like, dang, I wish we could be as degenerate. As an Eagles fan, like, I wish we could be as degenerate as other fan bases, and I feel like we're slowly but surely getting there, and I love it. Yeah, we're working on it. We're working on it at TDR to make Vanderbilt an SEC program. We're doing our part on the field and on the court. Commodore's not so much. They're not so much doing their part. On episode 248, we've got after the TDR cocktail break, talking with TDR, where we're going to try to play those calls, uh, DMs on Twitter, voice calls, whatever the hell you call it. We will be playing that in segment two after the TDR cocktail break. But segment one is going to be recapping a 46-7 to loss to South Carolina embarrassing loss from Vanderbilt. We didn't even recap the embarrassing loss 31 to 15 to Auburn from the previous week. And we're also going to be digging in just a little bit. Is Vanderbilt basketball alive again? Beep. 
They're on life Beep. support right now. Trevor's beeping away, but the Commodores Beep. have won two in a row, bouncing back from a bad loss to Presbyterian. We will discuss in segment one. But before we get into all of that and much more, don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Door Report. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And while you're at it, give our podcast five stars and a review on iTunes. Reemphasizing that five stars because we've been bumped down (laughs) by a one-star review that we'll be reading. The haters and losers, of which there are many, are coming after TDR. We're getting some friendly fire from within the fan base, so we'll let you decide. Ceasefire! Ceasefire! We will let you decide who is in the right and who is in the wrong after an emotional episode on episode 247, last episode. But Trevor, it's now time to get in to segment one of episode 248. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome back into episode 248 of The Door Report. It's now time, Trevor, before we get into the basketball recap of the last two games and the Vanderbilt football recap from the South Carolina game, we've got some reviews to read. Normally, we call this reading five-star reviews. Unfortunately for me and Trevor and The Door Report as a whole, they're not all five-star reviews this time. They're not even five and four stars. We have a one-star review. (laughs) Lowering us to a 4.7 on Apple Podcasts. Now, some of that is because as my laptop tries to restart, uh, some of that is because we had like a Kentucky fan a long time ago give us one star. Yeah, that, yeah. And then then somebody gave us two stars, like our first review ever that was like, I love it. Where are the rest of the episodes? And gave us two stars and docked down our You're like, dog, we just started. (laughs) Yeah, this is is our first in a while of a one-star review. So we're going to read that. Me and Trevor, before I go into this one-star review, we did a live reaction episode directly from Memorial Gym into recording. We hopped in my Hyundai Sonata across from Satco, and we sped over to South Nashville, and we immediately said, we just, Will's like, put on XXX Tentacion, (laughs) and I was like, I'm going to crash the car. Listened to some Jocelyn Flores and got sad, and then we came in. And we said something, a live reaction. It was very negative. Things were said. Deservedly so. It should have been negative. Yep. And and that's what this podcast is. You're getting raw fan emotion. That's what Vanderbilt's missing. And that's what they have been missing is any negativity is perceived as complete disrespect to the overall program. It's like if you have passionate fans, you're going to have negative passionate takes and passionate takes that are positive. So you can't have both sides. You can't have just one side of the coin. Yeah. You have to have both. But here's the one-star review, Trevor. you have anything to add? I'll just say this before we get into it, and we'll probably delve into it more after the one. If you think last episode was bad, go be a fan of any other SEC or Power 5 program. Like, and- we're, we're Taco Bell mild sauce compared to a lot of other programs. Very, very true. Go look at any other 24-7 board. Oh, my God, If yes. you have any any doubts that this is, this is Taco Bell mild sauce version of an SEC fan podcast, but... The one stars don't get us down. They only make us stronger. We were born in the darkness. All right. There's no reason anybody should be I listening was, to us. You so merely embrace the darkness. Yeah. 
we're creating the revolution here. So you're going to get some haters. Here we go from K-A underscore N underscore Nash. Says it's a long one. So. K-A like a Kappa Alpha? Yep, like Kappa Alpha. Dude, shout out to my Kappa Alphas out there. Subject line, completely unacceptable. Gentlemen, first, I am probably not your target audience, so this may mean little or nothing. I've been a fan of The Doors as long as I can remember. First games I saw in person were in the early 70s. As as a media-starved Vandy fan, I've listened to your pods fairly regularly. I'm fine with your youthful, youthful exuberance compared to this old-timer when prognosticating about team, games, and season. Though I found myself thinking how a couple more decades will shape your perspective quite a lot. Also... You are certainly welcome to express whatever opinion you may have and do so however you see fit. Having said that, after listening to your post-Presbyterian podcast, you will have to carry on without me. Shit. Totally classless, inappropriate, and highly offensive. No matter how much you may disagree with coaching and players' performances, you would do well to remember that this is our team. I promise you, not one player, administrator, or coach wants to lose any game or do anything that is disrespectful to Vanderbilt or its fans. Not one. But it happens. Sometimes it hurts a lot, but to make vulgar personal attacks is unacceptable and offensive. Your last podcast was a total disgrace. I hope your next podcast begins with a major apology to Coach Stackhouse, his players, the administration, and to your listeners. I thought you guys were just young and having some fun, but not anymore completely classless i'm out we're not having fun no i'm literally is this is what the about worst, this has been this fun, is the man. worst time of my life what i care about the most in vanderbilt athletics has just been just taken away from me all i get to do is watch awful football and basketball year in year out this is this has never been fun has this ever been fun to you I mean, some seasons. I mean, it's it's slowly like it's like a dementor. It's slowly <laughs> it's draining away my soul. I don't remember the last time I was happy. Dude, it's I don't have any problem. If it's not your thing, it's not your thing. There's no hate. Go listen to one of the other Vanderbilt podcasts. There's not very many. VandySports.com does a great job. Go listen to them. We're going to tell you what we think. And that is what it is. Yeah, I wish I could go back and not instant react with maybe as many expletives. And the one thing I wish I could go back and take back what I said on 247 is about the injuries, because I do think Tyron Lawrence has turned his ankle after seeing him kind of hobble around in warmups. Um, I'm not saying that, you know, it was a full injury. Maybe he would have played, but that's the only comment that I look back and I'm like, damn, maybe that was a little off the cuff wrong. But, but for the most at part, the end of the day, you're a fan, though. You know what I mean? We weren't disrespectful. No. Maybe a little disrespectful to Sackhouse because he did just lose to Presbyterian on opening night in his fifth season as the head coach. Maybe he needs a little disrespect. Yeah, we were mad disrespectful to Stackhouse, and he deserved it. And the comment in the in the review were like, oh, they would never be disrespectful to fans. Stackhouse has been nothing but disrespectful to fans. Eh. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean. I, the one the reviews we tried not to read comments too much positive or negative. See, I love kinda, reading comments. Yeah, see, Trevor's different. I than me. love reading comments because you can get trapped in that a little bit of if your takes are right or not. I just like giving my takes. So maybe we were a little bit too harsh. No, probably not. No, stand on business, Will. Uh, stand on business. Uh, I'm, I'm staying on business. A couple of five star reviews we'll throw in before we get into the South Carolina recap and Vanderbilt basketball's two most recent wins from Blake underscore F. Five stars, baby. He says V for Vandietta. In quote, 
It's small and it's fragile, and it's the only thing in the world worth having. We must never lose it or sell it or give it away. We must never let them take it from us, unquote. This V for Vendetta quote, of course, was talking about the people losing their right to see the doors in gold jerseys. Trevor, give it to me, baby. Our anti-hero, bastion of virtue and minister of grit, sent a long-awaited wake-up call to the equipment staff to do what is necessary and just, to bring back the gold, keep fighting the good fight. Will, keep ripping cigs and powering on. (laughs) Grit level is over (laughs) 9,000. Beautiful dog. Whenever I just see Will just absolutely blast and darts, I'm like, man, it's a dark time. I, I I recently saw the Priscilla movie and Elvis the whole time was smoking cigarettes. And I like thought to myself, I'm like, I kind of wish this was socially acceptable because he looks so sick, dude. Cigarette- I don't smoke cigs, but I was like, Dang, I don't he I don't cool. smoke cigs either. That's the funny part. I smoked them at the Hawaii tailgate. That was like the only time you were just sitting time. in your in your chair. And I was like, dang, he looks cool right now. <laughs> yeah, dude, don't let this is the thing. Nobody tells you, you know, lung cancer. Man, they're going to uh, you're not going to be able to breathe in your 50s and 60s. Man, you look cool. Like that's <laughs> that's the part nobody talks about. You look fucking cool. dude. All right. I just walked into the tent and it's just like just dudes smoking cigs. I'm like, oh, am I at Dino's right now? Finally oh at an finally at an SEC tailgate, <laughs> baby. Cigs everywhere. All right, last five star review, and then we've got a little more to get into from B underscore Allen 2020. Thanks for the five stars, dog. <laughs> subject sickos only. Oh, what a good subject line. I mean, <laughs> we are uh, the sickest in, in the review. If you too like to not only torture yourself by watching games on Saturday or midweek 5.8%ers, but actually want to relive them later in the week, this is the grit and spit pod you need. The big grit and spit. It's pretty good. The biggest relief comes from the cocktail hour when you can actually take a break from the constant sadness known as Vanderbilt fandom. Well, yeah, that about sums it up. B underscore Allen, I I love that review. Grit five, thanks spit. for the five stars. Grit and spit, baby. That's what we should have titled this episode. <laughs> Instead of TDR, we're just going to change the name to the Grit and Spit Pot. Grit and Spit. <laughs> so now that we've got the reviews out of the way, thank you to everyone for leaving reviews, except for the one star. We don't appreciate that one as much, but thank you for listening prior. I guess we'll continue on without you, sadly. But, uh, Trevor, I think it's time to recap really quickly the two wins that the Vanderbilt basketball program had and and discuss if they're back. I know you're back. You're going to be in attendance on Friday after saying you wouldn't be stepping foot <laughs> in Memorial Gym again. So comment on that really quickly. I'm just an addict. It is. I, I'm, I'm a sick person. I'm a – and you want to know what? TDR, I'm off the market. I have a girlfriend now. I'm bringing my girlfriend to her first ever Vanderbilt sporting event on Friday. So I, I, I've, I've like prefaced. I'm like, hey, I'm going to say some things. And she's like, oh, yeah, like it'll be fun. I'm like, I don't think it's going to be fun, but I'm glad you're wanting to experience this with me. Central Arkansas coming up on the 17th on Friday. I really hope that you have a fun time and that we have a fun time on Friday night. That should be a fun game to be in attendance of. I thought thought the same thing about the Presbyterian game, but Vanderbilt basketball did, I don't want to say bounce back, but they bounced back and won two games that they had to win. 
still without Tyron Lawrence, still without Van Allen Leuven, still without Lee Dort. The little birdies, the little rumors are swirling that Tyron tweet, 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 tweet. should be back for the Vegas tournament. That's what the birdies are saying. That's such a kick in the nards, though. But it's, it's after the Central Arkansas game, so you only have one more, but dang, that sucks. It does suck. It's probably, I think, they Vanderbilt wins the Presbyterian game if Tyron Lawrence plays. Mm-hmm. That doesn't excuse the loss. Uh, we mentioned that multiple times during episode 247. It doesn't excuse the loss that you were playing without two of your best players. But it, but it's true, and we have to put it out there. Vanderbilt beat SC Upstate seventy-four to sixty-seven, and beat a pretty good, decently ranked UNC Greensboro team seventy-four to seventy. I think in the lower hundreds of the Ken Palm, one hundred twenty-five. Yeah, one hundred twenty-five. Vanderbilt was one hundred twenty. They were one seventeen going into that game after the win. Vanderbilt sitting at one hundred twentieth because teams are leapfrogging Vanderbilt. It's not Vanderbilt being punished for a win. It's teams leapfrogging Vanderbilt that don't have the denominator weighing them down, including a Presbyterian loss. Absolutely. That's what the net does. That's what Ken Palm does. It doesn't calculate based on recency bias, which is something fans supposedly wanted was not having recency bias, but that's going to haunt Vanderbilt the rest of the season. And that's what we were hitting on a majority of the time. But this Vanderbilt team has shot a lot better in the last couple of games, specifically in the win over UNC Greensboro. They did not close out the game well no, at all, did not step on the throat of the opponent, but Vanderbilt went into half against UNC Greensboro with a 12-point lead, up 41-29. to How are you feeling going into the half after seeing the doors in that first? I mean, I thought it was going to be... I thought, and I told you this, I thought it was going to be the sort of game that we thought we were going to get against Presbyterian to where it might have been a little slow in the first half, but the dogs are going to take over and they're going to put their foot on their throat and they're going to run away with it. Um, That is not, that is not what happened. Um, The first half I thought was all, I thought was, was really, really good. Um, I thought the rotations were tight. I thought the offensive flow was so much better. I know it's only the third game, but probably the best offenses look just in terms of rhythm so far, Um, particularly in the first half, the second half. Well, um, Overall, if we're just talking the first half, I was very, very pleased. I mean, overall, if you shoot like Vanderbilt did in the first half in the three-point line, Colin Smith hit three threes in a row early in that half, got him off to a good start. Ezra Mignon knocked some down early. Evan Taylor banked in one during that game at one point. But the craziest part is Vanderbilt fans can objectively sit there, even with the win over SC Upstate, probably say this Vanderbilt versus UNC Greensboro game Probably the best offensive performance you've seen out of this team through three games. Mm-hmm. This team sh- still shot 40% from the field. I-, I just like to point that out to Vanderbilt fans of how low our standards have fallen. Yeah, This team was still not efficient offensively, especially in the second half. But Trevor, you know what they did? Oh, I know where you're going. They hit free throws. They did indeed. I tweeted it out. We tweeted it out from TDR. You tweeted it out. Free throws win ball games and Vanderbilt shot 17 of 18 from the free throw line Ezra Mignon dog absolute dog shot 12 of 12 from the free throw line to close out that game Vanderbilt knocked down their free throws and that's why they beat UNC Greensboro they fell apart at the end panicked against the press didn't execute efficiently but they had built up enough of a lead and made and maintained it and knocked down key free throws mm-hmm. at key moments in the at the end of that game. So 
a good job by this program as a whole of bouncing back, not just falling into the pit that we fell into yeah, and just completely tanking the season, even though that Presbyterian loss in game one is going to haunt them. We're going to be talking about that game in mid We are still going. That's what was so frustrating. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's obviously we were talking in a little bit of hyperbole that the season's over. I think I already said that, but I mean, you lose one more and it is over. Yeah, but we were talking in hyperbole in that you now have zero leeway. And and this, you can already see the storylines in February and in January, late January, of why is Vanderbilt not moving in the net? Why are they so lowly ranked? Why are they not moving up? And it's going to be because of that Presbyterian loss in part, at least in part. So that's why it's such a big deal. And the little comment from Stack after that game is what really pissed us off, saying you don't make or miss the tournament based on the first game of the season. While, yes, that is implicitly true, if if you run the table after that point, obviously you don't make or miss the tournament off the first game. But if you're a bubble team fighting for a spot, that can be the difference mm-hmm. if this season plays out in normal fashion. So good step forward from the team. Still a lot to be done with how you've set yourself up. What do you think about the rotations in the second half of that game? And just the, the five guys that he, he just, it didn't make any sense. It just seemed like it was random. Uh, so we did absolutely demolish Stack for his rotation in the first game against Presbyterian. Not much has changed, really, when you look at it. A few less minutes for guys here and there uh, throughout the rotation. But mainly, I'm sitting here after wins. Of course, this is hypocritical. I'm sitting here after wins, and I'm willing to make the excuse of saying you're missing three key rotational players mm-hmm. and saying that, of course, the rotations are going to be really messed up without three key rotational players. So I think it'll just it'll slim down the rotation a lot once you get back Vin Allen, Lubin, and Tyron because those are two guys that are going to play 28 to 30 minutes minimum every yeah. single game. So that's going to take a lot of minutes away from these bench guys. And I'll say this before we before we continue on. Just one final question for you in particular. Who of the young guys or transfers has impressed you the most so far? I mean, Tassos yeah. has probably been the most impressive. The most surprising has been Carter Lang. I would agree. I would agree. He's been the most surprising. He's put in really good minutes off the bench. He's nothing special on offense, but he's good on the boards, provides really good physicality, a lot more ready to play college basketball than I expected him to be. Yeah. Uh, and then I would say Jason Rivera Torres. I, I mean, we met, the only reason I didn't mention him first is we expected him yeah. to be an impact freshman. And he's come in and looked about how I expected. I mean, a real scorer that can come in and provide some juice off the bench. I didn't expect to be seeing him 18 minutes a game. A lot of that has to do with Tyron Lawrence. Except being for out. Friday where he played like two. Yeah, I, I don't get that. He's a he's a scorer. He's yeah. still there. There are still a lot of guys on this roster that are playing right now that are a little bit raw. I think Isaiah West is a year of development away. I, I don't agree. think he's quite ready. He's I being thru- him, he's being thrust into action when he's not quite ready. I think Jason Rivera Torres is closer than Isaiah West is, but he still has some development to do. He's a little bit loose with the ball, dribbles mm-hmm. a little bit too long, gets the offense out of rhythm. But Carter Lang has been a bright spot. So far, I just didn't expect to get real quality minutes out of him at all this season and being thrust into the starting rotation. He's done a decent job and he's going to really come in useful whenever you get Dort back and Dort eventually does get into foul trouble. You're going to be thankful for somebody like Carter Lang. Yeah, and there's not much more to be said. I mean, Vanderbilt takes on Central Arkansas on Friday. 
the team ha- they have to win that game. I mean, yeah. you have to be sitting at three and one going into the Vegas tournament with some better competition upcoming. Hopefully, getting back your guys and at least Tyron. Hopefully, Tyron and Vin Allen Lubin. Uh, and that would add a lot of depth to this rotation and make it make more sense. Yeah, I think finally be able to see this team for what it was supposed to be. So just keep in mind, I'm going to throw this out. We said shot 40.4% from the field as a team. We are glowing over this offensive performance. Mm-hmm. And Vanderbilt fans, rightfully so, because we've seen some bad offense. Yeah, Against UNC Greensboro, this team only shot 37.9% from three. It wasn't like Vanderbilt was unconscious from the outside the entire game. They shot about how you would want Vanderbilt to shoot from three, game in, game out. It's crazy that we're sitting here talking about this like it was some in- incredible output against yeah, UNC Greensboro. Absolutely. That's about it for basketball. Anything else you want to you want to tack on here? I just think going up against Central Arkansas, not only do you need to win, I think you you finally need to see Vanderbilt get a double digit win. Yeah. That would, so. that would be big. Have you seen a line yet for that game? I don't think they usually I put those out know. this early. We are recording on Wednesday night. That line will probably come out tomorrow at some point or I'm just missing it. But there is a football game to get into for a second. We wanted to do this briefly and after basketball because I think most of the calls, we haven't listened to them, but my guess is that most of the calls will be be about the state of the football program. Could be wrong. There could be some about basketball, but football got dominated by South Carolina, and I think that's not even strong enough of a word. Vanderbilt loses 47-6 to to South Carolina, and it felt like... 47 to six. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was pure domination. South Carolina team total yardage, 487 total yards to Vanderbilt's 234, 351 passing yards for South Carolina, 28 of 36, 104 passing yards for Vanderbilt as a team, 13 of 28 against the, the second worst secondary behind yep. Vanderbilt, the second worst secondary. That's what makes all these stats even worse yep is this is definitively pro i would say definitively for sure about as sure as you can be the second worst team in the sec and vanderbilt is light years away from the second worst team in the sec rushing stats south carolina ran for 136 yards versus vanderbilt ran for 130 that reading that out loud doesn't sound awful until you dig into it and see south carolina ran the ball 24 times for 136 yards of 5.7 yards per carry average Vanderbilt ran the ball 42 times for 130 yards of 3.1 yards per carry average. And I believe 36 of those rushing yards were from Walt Taylor. That is correct. So a pitiful performance all around from Vanderbilt. The only thing that Vanderbilt outperformed South Carolina on the only two things, Vanderbilt was not penalized as much as South Carolina. And Vanderbilt didn't throw interceptions and gave the team an opportunity to punt. Yep. And we know from Clark Lee's post-game comments, Trevor, that it is so key to give your offense the opportunity to punt. That's where games are won or lost. Punting, not scoring points. That was a fire. I was I was on the back Clark Lee train. That put me on the fire Clark Lee train. That is an absolutely unacceptable quote. And if that truly is your mindset going into football games, I don't care that the season is lost. If that truly is your mindset going into football games, you are a loser and you should not be coaching college football. That is an unacceptable quote. That is an unacceptable mindset for a football game. That is up there. We've talked about the softball. For me, that is up there with the Derek Mason waves comment. Ebbs and flows. flows. That is up there for all-time bad comments 
that one hurt. That is an unacceptable way to coach a football game. Yeah, and I'm trying to pull up. Here's the comment. Aria Gerson tweeted out the comment that was heard around the world, around the Twitterverse. <laughs> Shout out to Aria for pulling this quote. Some people claimed it was out of context. I was almost like, this has to be out of context until Joey, yep. Joey Dwyer Shout from Joey. Pod, VandySports.com. Follow him, subscribe to him if you haven't. Uh, Joey tweeted out the video saying, I really thought this was out of context, but here it is. Yeah. And in what, context, in context, in quote. So I don't misquote him. Clark Lee directly said, I appreciate the fact that when he was in there, he took care of the ball and gave us a chance to punt talking about Ken seals. I get what he was saying. He went on to say something about the opportunity to pin the opponent deep and our defense just didn't capitalize on those opportunities. It's still a loser's mindset. Yep. I understand that A.J. Swan threw interceptions, but the offense has gotten to a point where it's just, why are we even trotting them out on the field? Just punt on first down. Uh, Absolutely. It just feels like they're going to fumble. They're going to go backwards. The offense is just, at this point, it's deteriorated so much from where it was, even against Wake Forest. Remember when 20 points against Wake Forest was like, a unacceptable call, a call to change everything yep. was what the hell is this team doing only scoring 20 points against Wake Forest well now you're facing the worst defense or the second worst defense definitely the second worst now after this game yeah but statistically the only defense even comparable to Vanderbilt and SEC and you put up six points and on the flip side the South Carolina offense puts up 47 so that tells you where this program is right now just so far away from even being competitive. It's not what I expected this year. I know it's not what you expected, Trevor. No, I mean, they, and we've said it over and over again, but this, this team has regressed. This is, this is a step back. Those sorts of comments. I mean, the, just, just to compare it to the Clark Lee crying after the Kentucky game, seeing how much we've put in, how much like work we've put in uh, to getting to this moment to about a year later being like, oh, I'm just glad we had the opportunity to punt. I mean, absolute loser mindset it's one of those things that yes we can be negative sometimes me and trevor can we also can be a little too positive sometimes but there's been this like indifference within the vanderbilt fan base for too long Mm -hmm. and there's been this like ah well that's a comment but you know he's coaching vanderbilt Mm -hmm. so he's gonna have the occasional bad comment that plays badly that's just unacceptable i understand what he was trying to say but it's being out of touch with how it's going to be perceived nationally yep and it's going to be picked up by barstool it's going to be picked up by everyone of like look at this joke of a football program and here's the joke of a quote from their joke of a head coach Mm -hmm. and that's i'm not saying that we're describing it as that i'm trying to give everyone an idea of how it's being perceived by non-vanderbilt fans yeah and that's the problem is vanderbilt has and and i think candace story lee has tried to change this but Vanderbilt has put themselves inside their own echo chamber inside of Nashville and just said, we're Vanderbilt University. We don't need to listen to any outside stuff. It truly is the Vandy bubble. And that's been going on for 40 years. And now you're getting a little bit of pushback inside that bubble. I, I like to give us a little bit of credit for that, but a little bit of pushback. Chris Lee's been doing a great job on that for a while. But you have to have people that will point out the bullshit. You have to have people that will call a spade a spade. And Vanderbilt's fan base just doesn't have that. Go read any other 24-7 board of any other fan base, and every single comment is broken down to its base and finding holes and flaws in the current state of the program because they want success at any cost. And I'm not necessarily saying that that's a good place to be, 
but it's present in every other SEC fan base except Vanderbilt. Absolutely. And there's a reason why Vanderbilt has been the worst program overall in the SEC for the last 40 years, and that's because they don't have the pressure on them that other that other schools do. And until that changes, you're not going to see change internally. You need investment in money, and you also need investment from fans. And right now, negativity just comes with that. Yeah. I mean, that is what it is. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this, like you said, this Vanderbilt administration has been so incredibly complacent, not just our entire lives, but our, our, all our father's lives, their father's lives. There's just been nothing but complacency since the fifties, really since the fifties, the, the Vanderbilt administration, whether it comes from uh, inside McGugan or inside Kirkland just has not cared about sports. And, 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 and like you said, we have been very, very positive on what, uh, Candace Story Lee is doing with, uh, with raising money, um, with, with renovations. I think those are wonderful, but you bring up a good point every single time. And I don't think we should lose sight of this. And, and if somebody wants to call this ungrateful, then so be it. Um, even these upgrades are 20 years too late, 30 yep. years too late. And don't get me wrong. I am so incredibly happy that we're finally seeing it. I, I mean, I, anytime we walk by the banners of what it's going to look like, my dad looks at it and he, 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 every time he goes, I never thought I'd see the day. I never thought I'd see that. And that's wonderful, but you still got to do more. You can't stop at this. You still got to put in money and, and, and invest in the football program and the basketball program and staff and more than ever, more than any of that now, NIL. You got to pay these kids. And they, they are doing a good job. I, I just saw Anchor Collective partnering with Learfield and, and getting the rights to the Vanderbilt logos and yeah, trademarks. That was That's big. huge. That was big. Great job. We're not saying these things haven't aren't being done behind the scenes. It's just you can be captured by your own success. And just I'm not I hate saying it like this. I hate saying just a $300 million investment. Mm -hmm. Phoebe, what are you doing? I hate saying <laughs> just that. But that's not pushing Vanderbilt leagues above and beyond other programs. That's just getting you back to square negative five. Yep. And now you're still behind everyone in program reputation and program support. And your facilities are still not top tier. Compared to they're their middle of the pack at best. Yeah. And that's where you're sitting. So it's just a reality check of where Vanderbilt is. You can't be okay with below average, below mediocrity, and then look back in 10 years and say, why do we suck? Well, you were accepting mediocrity and below average production. And so now 10 years, 20 years, 30 years down the road, that's compounded. And now you suck. And that's what we've seen the last 40 years out of Vanderbilt. We don't want to see that. 40 years from now saying they did this big facility investment their teams continued to suck and then they just kind of fell behind the times again yeah that's what could happen to Vanderbilt I'm not saying it's going to I don't want to see that happen I don't think it's going to but it's a possibility yeah and it's just and, and like I said I don't want people to interpret this as being ungrateful but like we want to see Vanderbilt succeed we want to see our kids see Vanderbilt succeed. We want this to continue down the road, and I just have a real fear, and this is once again just the negative aspect of a Vanderbilt fan coming out of me, that whenever these projects are eventually done, that Kirkland and McGugan are going to look and be like, that's enough, and it's not enough. And, and, and even though there is progress being made now, I truly do have a fear that they're going to be like, 
this is enough and that they're not going to keep their foot on the gas because that's the Vanderbilt we know. Yeah, I think that's called anxiety. You're that already, is you're already a little medicated. Maybe I should be as well. But Trevor, I think it's about time for the TDR cocktail break before we get into these calls that should be very interesting absolutely. on talks with TDR. So grab yourself a cold one because we have absolutely no idea what to expect. Welcome back into episode 248 from your TDR cocktail break. Trevor, it's now time to get into talking with TDR. So we're going to see how this goes. Thank you to everyone. Yeah. Trevor cracks it Sorry. open. Thank you. Diet Coke today, no alcohol. <laughs> yep. I've got some alcohol. My voice. <laughs> sad thing there about we the go. state of Vanderbilt Athletics. Yeah, I'm just getting sad about to get emotional. But thank you to everyone that sent voice messages. I hope we get to all of them. It's weird because Twitter doesn't let you. We tweeted this out from TDR. It doesn't let you just allow your DMs open. Yeah. So we had to accept every single one. So if we missed anyone, I apologize. This will probably not be the last time we do talking with TDR. This could become a regular thing as we see how it goes. But time to get into the first one, Trevor. You ready? I'm ready. So we'll be playing it in full, and then we'll be giving our reaction to each one after. And we'll give credit to everyone who called in as well. So I hope you all said things that you want your name attached to. Let's see. As we said, we have not listened ahead, so this is our live reaction. First up, we have Justin Kemp, A1 Day 1 Dog. What's up, guys? Uh, this is Justin Kemp and Ain't Easy. Uh, thoughts on the season? We suck. Um, we got no leadership. We got no heart. We got no... I mean, we're unwatchable. Um... You know, started out two and zero, but we knew from those two wins that we didn't look good, and then it just snowballed from there into just a cacophony of mistakes and just, I mean, Clark's uh, sound bites are just—they're just stupid at this point. And I don't throw the term "loser" around lightly, but um, but we're losers. Um, we're like uh, that dude in Little Miss Sunshine that you know takes the vow of silence the whole time and he's doing so good he can only take so much and then he finally blasts out like you're a bunch of fucking losers so that's what we are take a look in the mirror with this coaching staff and this leadership we're a bunch of losers so it is what it is where we go from here i don't know um getting a brand new stadium next year for visiting fans to come in here and kick our ass and um so i don't know man uh it's a low point of uh, Vanderbilt football. So uh, shout out to TDR for always being there, being the voice of the fans, um, telling them exactly how it is, telling the truth. And um, shout out to you guys. Thanks for doing what you do. And uh, I'm out. What a call. Great. He's he's absolutely right, we too. Knew, we knew Justin was going to deliver. Justin always delivers. We had no doubt Justin was going to deliver, but that may have been even better than I expected. Caco what did he say? Cacophony? A cacophony. Is there a fan with more grit than Justin? Oh. Do you remember at the tailgate to where he just forgot the top of his grill, and so he's just... Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> one of my out, favorites. He's out in the lot, too, just cooking a hot dog over an open fire in a parking lot. <laughs> Justin Kemp is the definition. He's the goat. Dog. But he's absolutely right. Every time that I think, like, damn, is this, you know, doing TDR worth it? There is time put in behind the scenes by me and Trevor and other people within TDR. Like, is it worth it? 
Justin Kemp's the type of fan. It's like it's worth it. Justin makes it worth it. It's worth it. But he's absolutely right. Everything he said is totally true. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of this is just going to be us saying, damn, they're making some good points. I mean, is I mean, he yeah. truly this team truly is unwatchable. He he did hit on what you said, and we have not listened to these in advance. No. But you said this team has no passion, no, no, no aggression, no passion, no, 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 no mindset. <laughs> That's all I could think. Listen to that beginning. Here we go. No name on this profile, but anchor down 0714. Let's see what we got. Two minutes, 20 seconds. So let's dial in. Hey, what's up, boys? Thank y'all for doing this. Uh, as I'm recording this, I just finished the seven and a half hour drive from Columbia, South Carolina, back down to Nashville, Tennessee, which means that I got to see the shit show that is Vanderbilt football live and in person. And I got some good little takeaways for y'all. Uh, number one, Joey Lynch, what do you do? Are you good at anything? Do you know how to design a throwing play? Because it doesn't look like it. You refuse to throw the ball farther than five yards down the field. And the one time that we do, it goes for a touchdown to Quincy Skinner Jr. It's like you don't understand that we actually have good receivers and we have a quarterback who can, believe it or not, throw it past five yards downfield. It's insane to me that you're employed. Nick Howell, same exact thing. How do you have a job? Are you good at a single thing? Because I, I don't think that there's a single aspect of being a defensive coordinator that you're actually competent at even. Do you know how to design a blitz with a stunt in it? I've never seen so many blitzes get picked up with guys just running straight into a blocker in a season as I have this year. Do you know how to stop a run play when it's an obvious running down? Do you know how to call a defensive play where they, where you aren't giving opposing receivers 15 yards of cushion? Sure as hell, it doesn't look like it. Like, my God, man, get out of here. To our strength and conditioning coach, dude, get on Indeed.com. Get a new job because we do not need you here. I've never seen so many 300-pound defensive linemen get manhandled by the worst offensive line in the SEC because that is what South Carolina is. Their O-line is arguably worse than ours. To Clark Lee, man, I have tried to believe in you. I've tried to understand that there's stuff going on behind the scenes with the transfer portal, NIL, Dare to Grow, Vandy United, all that stuff. But Jesus Christ, if you're actually just grateful to punt, get out. We do not need that perspective here at Vanderbilt. That cannot be the perspective here at Vanderbilt. Leave. Leave. We need you out. To the players themselves, too, I have never seen an effort worse than I did in that second half. Like, I understand that the coaches are difficult to play for, but holy shit, that was absolutely pathetic. You guys need to be better. And that's all I got, man. Once again, absolutely right on every front. I mean, he hit on a part we didn't even hit on in the recap, which is the player's effort. Oh, my God. That touchdown tour, they just jogged. They, they're just form, jogged. They're, the thing is, it's not just us. It's it's me sitting there. I've never played college football, okay? One of my best friends, roommate in college, he did play college football, but I've personally never played. So I usually avoid just hitting on players' individual effort. I played high school sports, wasn't good enough to move on to college. but. The second half effort from that team, it looked like they packed it in. It, yeah, absolutely. As, as much as the coaching staff has packed it in at this point, and they know that they are not going to be employed next year, I never look to expect that out of players. That's it's, whenever it's really disappointing. That's when things have really spiraled out of control and spiraled out of the control of the head coach and the staff. The players have given up. They, they're not bought in anymore. 
last year, even at five and seven, we were sitting there saying, man, the culture here is growing. Yep. The players are buying into what this staff is selling and it's producing results on the field. And we just, this year it hasn't happened. And clearly the culture was not strong enough because things are starting to deteriorate. Yeah. So shout out to Anchor Down 0714 for uh for calling in and pointing that out. Absolutely. I I'm mean, so sorry you attended that game. That really. oh my god. My god. If you don't if you're not grit. if you're not That's watching grit. if you're not watching this whenever he said that me and Will looked at each other and like we just absolute it was like a combination of like disgust, like empathy, like depression, respect. respect. That talk about grit. Yeah, dude. Oh my word. To be around some of the worst fans in the SEC too, while you're getting your brains beat out of your head. Yeah, that South was, Carolina's they one. suck. Yeah, we do have a good relationship with the Spurs Up show. Normally we would have had Chris Phillips on. I think he's joined us the past couple of years for previews, but there's nothing to preview no. with this team. I think he also hit on that in the call-in and talking with TDR, but there's nothing to preview. There's nothing to talk about. This team is just to the point of apathy. Yep. It's just like I never – I I knew I could get there. I'd been there before in past years, but I never thought under Clark Lee and Barton Simmons and the current staff that I'd be sitting here in complete apathy. Yeah. And like, yeah, we just lost by 41 to South Carolina. Yeah, that happens. Like that's crazy yeah. to me that I'd be sitting here at this stage – of the Clark Lee tenure thinking that I wasn't sitting like that in year one, no, much less now. So Clark, there are things that have to change. We know the staff is going to have huge upheaval this off season. Yeah. And if not, my God, that stadium is going to be a true ghost town. So yeah. we're just under the expectation that Hal and Lynch are gone. And most position coaches are gone. Some guys will stay, but, the mo most of this is focused on Nick Al and Joey Lynch. They got it, and go. and they have to go. And in order to have any fan support, we don't want to be completely off the Clark Lee train. Just like we don't want to be off the Stackhouse train. Yeah, we are off the Stackhouse train. But I think people tend to forget that, like two years ago or a year ago, in TDR's bio was hashtag We Back Stack. Yeah, and that was controversial. We were backing Stackhouse, saying, "Hey." You're, you're getting too critical too early. Understand where this program is coming from. When you have that perspective, eventually it turns. And eventually you're out of time. So We even Clark, had an apology episode yeah. last year where we are like, hey, we are sorry for... But it, what I'm getting at is Clark's not quite there yet. We're still in the moment like year three under Stackhouse where we're saying, hey, there things need to change. We're not ready to completely start from square one again. But it's time for things to change. Whatever's going on now, it, you still could be the CEO of this program. Barton Simmons could still be the CFO of the program or whatever you want to call him, COO. But a lot of the underlinks and VPs and board members, they need to change. Yeah. And and that's where I'm sitting at right now. So thank you for the call in. You are I, not increasing shareholder value. No. I have to get up and work for the shareholders every yes, morning. Yes, they need me. The shareholders need value increase. The shareholders need me. Get well, up, well, the shareholders need you. My family, my friends, they can wait. The shareholders need me every day. <laughs> All right, next up, we got Jackson Ridgeway. Shout out to Jackson. Thank you for the call in. Here we go. Minute 11. What's up, Will and Trevor? Uh, I hope y'all are having a good, good day. Uh, I just want to come on here, have a very quick message. Uh, I just want to talk about the football team. Um, this is my third year of my fandom for Vanderbilt Athletics. Big fandom. And 
I know Clark Lee went two and ten his first year, which is like I mean it's obviously a bad history of Bengals football. So okay, yeah, it's fine. Then year two, five and seven, big improvement, looking for big things in year three. Then now we're two and nine, and you know bye week probably about to be two and ten after you lose to Tennessee. I just want to know how y'all feel about that, and I think it's I think it's a coaching issue. I think all the staff needs to get gone, but I just want to know how y'all feel about Clark Lee, really. That's really all I want to know. And then basketball, obviously, I think I think Stack needs to be gone. I just don't think he really cares much about college. I think it's true what he really wants, the NBA. But uh, I just don't know about the basketball program either. But I just want to know how y'all guys feel about it. Thanks. Thank you, Jackson. Thank you. We feel bad about all of it but the number one the thing that we mainly hit on about stack i think last episode is that he really didn't care yeah from day one i yeah. still don't I, like i know he cares in the sense he he wants to win i think stack is a competitive guy at his core he played 18 years in the nba he's a competitive guy there is something to be said that vanderbilt fans refuse to acknowledge that people use vanderbilt as a stepping stone job yeah and i was even somebody on the pushback train during the james franklin era saying no he's not going to leave he's not and i think vanderbilt fans need to acknowledge that there are coaches this is a job to them yeah people don't view it that way but in the same way that you don't necessarily have a tie to your company necessarily you're just using them as a stepping stone to a promotion Okay. is the same way that Stack could be viewing this Vanderbilt opportunity. Absolutely. He wants to succeed. He's putting in effort because he wants the stepping stone of being able to go from G League head coach to successful college head coach to an NBA head coach. That's not throwing slight or shade at Jerry Stackhouse. That's just looking at things realistically. That's just the nature of life. Jerry Stack, yeah, Jerry Stackhouse played basketball at UNC. He has no tie to Vanderbilt. Of course, he's probably not viewing this as his end-all, be-all dream job. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's where the confusion comes in. I'm not saying Stack doesn't care about winning. I'm saying Stack has no interest in caring about this Vanderbilt program Yep, and building a program. I, I think that's maybe, and people keep comparing, like, how... How are you not calling for Clark Lee's job, but you're calling for Jerry Stackhouse's job? Football and basketball are just different. Number pieces. one, they're different. Yeah. Number two, if Clark Lee was in year five, loses to a bye game, game one, we'd be calling for Clark Lee's job. Yep. But also, Clark Lee, the reason that maybe we have a little more leniency, and I'm not even saying we've given him more leniency. We haven't, FYI. But if we were, I don't think this is a stepping stone job for Clark. I, I think that if he brought this Vanderbilt team to eleven and one or ten and two, he'd be here in Nashville at yeah. Vanderbilt still coaching. I don't think he's seeking out actively looking around at what job he can jump to. Mm -hmm. I do think that is the case for Jerry Stackhouse. I'm okay with that as long as I see success. I'm okay with a coach using Vanderbilt as a stepping stone to their ultimate dream as long as I see the success. Yeah. It's why we remember James Franklin fondly. Did he leave Vanderbilt in a bad spot? Yes. Did he also bring the best success this program has seen in 50 years? Mm -hmm. Yes. So you can be okay with that. It's just when the wins don't happen and failure happens, of course there's going to be more criticism when it's almost obvious what your ultimate goal is by taking this Vanderbilt job. Absolutely. And I think, too, I think we, we, need, to, we need to look at 
a basketball program versus a football program. Where Vanderbilt football was, it cannot get turned around. They cannot become a bowl team in two years. You need at least, you need three, four years to get your guys in. Basketball is a very different beast. You, as bad as this, as bad as Bryce Drew left Vanderbilt, somebody could have turned this team around in two years. Two years. That's all you need. You need two classes to come in. You needed uh, three, four guys, five guys to come in and be really good basketball players. You could have gotten those guys recruiting young guys. Young guys make more of an impact in basketball than any other sport. It's just a fact. You could have turned that team around very quickly. The turnaround time on basketball is much shorter than football. You're recruiting what? Uh, there's like what? 17 counting walk-ons. I don't know. Something like that for a basketball team compared to 85 for a football team. And yeah, not every guy on a football team is going to play, but depth is much more important on a football team than it is a basketball team. It requires much more people, requires a much larger coaching staff. So I, I think you 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 cannot they're apples and oranges. You cannot look at them the same way. Um and so like you said, if this was year five for Clark Lee, we would be pissed off to the high yeah. heavens. Rightfully so. You can't compare the two. Because of the large size of roster, there's a lot of reasons the comparison can't happen fully, but the large roster size, the lack of impact of freshmen and sophomores, typically in football, yep. there's a reason that you've never seen, and it's actually not allowed by NFL rules, but even if it was, you would almost never see an 18, 19, or 20-year-old drafted no. into the NFL. because you, so long to get that You need type. to develop the body types of those guys. You need to develop a large number of them versus needing five, six, seven guys total that contribute on a basketball roster to have a successful season. Mm-hmm. So A, that's number that's number one. That's one A is they're different. But one B is that Vanderbilt football has been a joke since the 60s this is a and great 50s. Point. Vanderbilt basketball still has been relevant in the last decade. Mm-hmm. They Both these programs by the prior coaches and administration were left in shambles. The worst season maybe ever in Vanderbilt football and definitely the worst season in Vanderbilt basketball history with zero wins in conference. It's just a different animal revamping an entire football program that has never seen success in the modern era. Mm -hmm. Not once have they seen consistent success for more than five years ever. It's never happened. Even James Franklin era. It wasn't five years of success. You had Bobby Johnson go to one bowl game in 08, and then you had three bowl games from Franklin. Yep. Three, built, am I right? three, three in a yeah. row. Three in a row. It was two and one. And then you games. had three years of success of going to bowl games under Derek Mason. That's not sustained success. You've never seen it. You you have seen from Kevin Stallings and then go continuing to go back. You've seen success consistently from the basketball program. It's been done. Skinner, Bredikoff. Yeah. I mean, the we we talk about the bomb squad. We talk about those '90s teams. But the the thing is, you could point to Vanderbilt football and say it truly is a job in the modern era that no one has been able to come in and have success with. That's not the case for basketball. People mm-hmm. have come in and had success in the modern era. Yeah, for this program, truly, Clark Lee would be changing the landscape of college football. Absolutely, if Vanderbilt was a good program, mm-hmm. the whole landscape would change. That's not the case for basketball. Vanderbilt's been competitive and been a good program for a long time. It's time to live up to those standards. Those standards are different, fair or not, and I think it's fair. 
they're different. Vanderbilt has had consistent good facilities for basketball. Mm-hmm. They haven't with football. They still have a historic college basketball gym. A cathedral. Memo- a cathedral and memorial gymnasium. It deserves better yeah. than what it has seen in recent years out of Vanderbilt basketball. So, yeah, they're different. They're yeah. just so different. Before we go on to our next call, you brought up a great point while we were watching the Kentucky-Kansas game last night on how we view Vanderbilt basketball versus football. Do you want to go over that? Because I thought that was a great point. Yeah, how Vanderbilt fans would view success. Is Vanderbilt basketball going into every season fully expects to compete with Kentucky? Not saying that every single year Vanderbilt's going to be a better team. Not saying every single year Vanderbilt's going to be favored. Not even most years. It's just every year, and I'm using Kentucky as kind of an example of the top-tier teams, Vanderbilt basketball fully expects to compete with the top-tier teams in the conference. That's how you view success. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be number one in the regular season, but you need to be in that echelon, Mm -hmm. which is one step down from Kentucky. Football is different. Even in the most successful football years, Vanderbilt fans would go into the Alabama game, would go into Georgia, and expect to lose and say, let's just not get embarrassed. But where Vanderbilt expects to be is to be competitive with those middle to upper middle tier teams and saying, if year in, year out, Vanderbilt can beat the lower tier teams and then compete with Auburn normally, compete with Tennessee, compete with Ole Miss, compete with Missouri this year. That's where Vanderbilt wants to be in football. It's just different echelons. It's it's what we talk about, the disrespect of low expectations. Mm -hmm. It is disrespectful to Vanderbilt football, how we view it, but no one, no one expects Vanderbilt to compete year in, year out, or ever with Alabama football. But Vanderbilt basketball, we expect Vanderbilt basketball to compete year in, year out with Kentucky. And those good Florida teams whenever and we saw Billy Donovan. And the thing is, that's what gave us hope with yep. Stackhouse, is we saw flashes of it. Last yep. year, Vanderbilt was competing with Kentucky. They were competing with the top-tier programs. They lost 101 to 44 to Four, Alabama. Yeah. But Beat major- Kentucky and Rupp. Yeah, majority of the time, Vanderbilt should be, should be competing in basketball with those top-tier programs. You just haven't seen that out of stack. So that's that's where the distrust comes in and the, and the uh, I don't want to say disrespect, but the issues fall. Yeah. All right, you want to go to the next one? I'm ready. Braden McPherson, contributor to TDR. Let's see what he's got in store. Should be interesting. Boys, I'm tired, exhausted, and disgusted by the product put out on the field in year three under Clark Lee. A season full of disappointment, and regression everywhere from a season ago. I want to believe, but I have nothing to believe in. I love the vision Clark and Barton have for the program. However, I'm just not seeing progress anywhere. My lesson has been learned. I will never get my hopes up for another program at this university ever again. This athletic department does not care, so why should I care about spending my own time and money? I'm well past being angry. I'm just numb. With that being said, Spend your days doing better things than watching Vanderbilt athletics crush your soul. Besides baseball, of course. Life is too short to watch a poor product year in and year out. Vanderbilt, I will always have a heart for you. But the days of being fully invested and attending nearly every game are behind me. Signing off, Braden McPherson. You say that, but I've said that so many times. Braden, you will be back. I'm telling you, every Vanderbilt fan has said that at one point. 
and you always come back. And it's not on it's it's not on you. It it's just that's just how it works. So you believe that now. Like a couple Fridays ago, I truly thought I would not step foot to Memorial I Gym. I truly thought I would not step foot to Memorial Gym the rest of the season. Two weeks later, I will be back at Memorial Gym. It's just, it's, it's just, that's just being a fan. Like that's just that's just how fans work. So you will be back. It sucks, but we all come we all come around eventually. Braden, I feel that. I I understand. You will be back. You will be different. You will be more broken. You will be numb. But nothing hits like a Vanderbilt victory. Boy, I wish I could change that. Boy, I wish I could. But nothing hits like it. No. You'll be back, Braden. I'm confident. Golly. Who do we have next? Uh, Brooks Burner. This should be interesting. The door report, lads. Hello. An airing of grievances. Uh, well, I just want to start by saying as sad and as dark as things are on West End right now, you guys have been a light, a shining light to the few Vandy fans that still remain. Um. Start with Coach Stackhouse. Why not? <laughs> Coming off of last year, the last couple of years, the way we performed in the offseason, the preseason, whatever we call it nowadays before SEC play. Not only do we need to win these games, we need to win these games by a decent margin. It's good for the net. It's good for your Ken Palm, blah, blah, blah. Well, listen, you have to play the best available players. I know guys are hurt. I know it's inconvenient. But when you're up 10 points in the middle of the first half of your first game against a team you need to crush, there's no reason to have four freshmen in the game. If we're up 25 or 30 points late and there's three minutes left, give them some run. But that little four-minute stretch put us in a situation where the game gets close, we go to half up four, and all of a sudden going into the second half, you're only a couple of threes away from being on your heels. Coach Stack said after the game, well, Mignon had two fouls, and when a guy has two fouls, you don't play a guy with two fouls. I don't know if Stackhouse has anybody on his staff that ever looks at modern-day college basketball data. That hasn't been true in 15 years. The worst-case scenario is this team does exactly what it did last year, a mediocre preseason. We get into SEC play. They make us excited. They win some close games. Then all of a sudden, we're in a position where, great, we get to go to the NIT because we're just, just outside the net bubble. Fun. The best-case scenario is this team sucks, and we could give Stack a one-way ticket to the sun. <laughs> I'm so mad at him, I can't even address the Clark Lee debacle that's going on. But I'm hopeless. I'm hopeless and broken. How's that for an airing grievances? That was beautiful. That was awesome. That was beautiful. I'm the long, the long. Pa- I was like, did we? Did he get cut off? And he's like, Coach Stackhouse. Here we that go. was awesome. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, the rotations didn't make any sense. Felt like no urgency. I think we've hit on that. Yeah. This is Festivus. We're allowing an airing of grievances. Yeah. So everybody's voice will be heard that we can allow to be heard. So thank you to Brooks Burner for uh, calling in there and, and airing his grievances. That was a banger. We've got a couple more. Three more left. Yeah, three more left. 
We're going to go to George Barclay next, unless you have anything you want to comment on the last one. No, I mean, that I feel was like awesome. we're just running in circles. I mean, that was, that was stating awesome. what they stated better than awesome. we could. There we go. Here's George Barclay next up on Talking with TDR. Hey, guys. George Barclay here. Here's my grievances from this year. Going into this season, Clark Lee said that the goal was postseason play. And to have this team potentially go winless in conference play after winning five games last year is just unacceptable. Another major grievance is the continued prioritization by this coaching staff of veterans and coach pleasers over talent. Just across the board, guys that are the most talented players and best options are continually getting benched, and it's really mind-numbing. Another big issue has been the horrendous offensive play calling. This team's best weapon is the downfield passing game, and it's got a great wide receiver room. And to see that underutilized over and over again, it just makes you want to bang your head against the wall. And it's horrible to watch. And Joey Lynch has just really screwed this whole offense up. Another big issue has been the lack of physicality on the offensive line. Going into this year, we heard time and time again about the size and experience and the veteran leadership that was coming to the offensive line, and they have just created no push over and over again all year. And lastly, Clark Lee, time and time again this year, has refused to play to win the damn game. You have to go for it, especially at a school like Vanderbilt, and especially with everything that's on the line right now with the momentum of your program. And the fact that he hasn't done that in so many games this season is just really terrible. And it's time for this administration to think about making some changes when the season's over. I think there's an additional voice message from George. Oh, so that is a thing. I love George. So we're gonna add, we're gonna just go ahead and play part two from George Barclay. So shout out to George for sending two call ins to talking with TDR. Dog. Hey guys, George Barclay here. Here's my grievances about the current state of Vanderbilt basketball. Jerry Stackhouse views Vanderbilt as a stepping stone to get back to the NBA. He doesn't actually care about doing a good job coaching the doors. All he cares about is just looking good on the sidelines so that he can get his next payday. And his just disrespect for the tradition that's Vanderbilt basketball and the fans are just way too hard to ignore, and he's got to go. He's just not the right guy for this job. One of the worst things about his coaching tenure is that the home court advantage of Memorial Gym has gone away. Now it's a destination for opposing fans and the home court advantage of having the benches underneath the baskets and the raised floor so that it feels like the entire crowd is on top of you has evaporated and in many cases gone to the other teams. It's absolutely ridiculous. And it's something that should never happen with Vanderbilt basketball. 
When I was a Vanderbilt student, I was lucky enough to get to meet Bob Ryan when I was writing for The Hustler and do an in informational interview with him. And the first thing that Bob Ryan said to me when I told him that I went to Vanderbilt was, I've got to get into Memorial Gym. That place is special. And that really stuck out to me because he's somebody who is a prominent sports writer who has no connection whatsoever to Nashville or Vanderbilt. And even he recognized the tradition that's Vanderbilt basketball. We need a coach who is all in and who's not going to make mental mistakes with his team in year five. It's absolutely ridiculous how low this team has stooped and how low this program has stooped since Jerry got here. And he needs to go after the season. If anything, I hope they make a run in spite of him, get to the tournament, and then he can go on his merry way to the NBA and we can find somebody who deserves to be here. Thank you, George. Hey, shout out to George. Like he said, Vanderbilt alumni, he is organizing basketball watch parties amongst Vanderbilt alumni all the way in Boston. Dog. But he's totally right. Before we get to the next one, Memorial Gym, and we've said this, I love Vanderbilt football with all my heart. There's something special about walking into Memorial Gym. And, like, you look up and you see the court and you see the baskets and you see all of the players who have played there before. You think of all of these guys that you've heard stories about, and you're like, man, this is a special place. There's, th I like that he hit on a couple of things. I hope I can remember everything I liked about what George just said in that four-minute call-in or whatever it was because he hit on a lot of good points. Number one is Memorial used to be a feared place to play. Yep. It didn't matter what night. It's going to be a tough place to play, a tough environment. The apathy towards failure mm -hmm. since 2012, and they did get rid of Kevin Stallings, so I'll say like 2014, mm -hmm. has has caused and turned Memorial Gym into a shell of what it used to be. Yep. And Memorial Gym truly did used to be like one of those places that was viewed the same as as the Cameron crazies yeah. Cameron indoor or the like, fog. Yeah. Or Chapel Hill for UNC. Like it, it really was that special. And there's something about it not being an arena. Mm -hmm. There's something about you walk around to get to your seats and you walk around to the other side and you're like walking through hallways. Yeah. And there's like dance prep classrooms around and there's the, and they've done some good things inside of Memorial, like the NBA pro or whatever. I, my favorite. Yeah, I, I love, love that. that I love what they've done, but it is sad to see where it's gone and they've made great improvements this isn't necessarily on the administration i think they've done a good job with memorial the product on the court mm -hmm. has just caused what we're seeing yep. it, it's different than vanderbilt football mm -hmm. the, the lack of attendance is different so george i also think george at the end hit on a great a great point is that no matter what we have said no matter what the titles of episode 247 is vanderbilt basketball dead and us being negative I hope Vanderbilt basketball goes on a 30-game win streak. Yeah, and I hope yep. to have to make a deep apology video. It's I would love to go on an apology tour That's why, Stackhouse. Oh, absolutely. That's, uh, I would love nothing more. That's why I think I'm not – We, me and you, Trevor, are not as cautioned when giving negativity is I think everybody that's listened to it and follows us and knows TDR – knows that any negative comments we hope I've, we've said this a lot yeah any negativity we hope to be 
made to look like idiots. Yeah, we will walk and back. Any, we will and, walk back comments. Yes, we will walk back. We've done we it will before. Be, we will be proved wrong. Yeah, but we're gonna tell you what what we think. Yeah. And right now, I don't think this Vanderbilt team is where it should be. I don't think this is an NCAA tournament team. If they beat Central Arkansas, if they win in Vegas, I don't think it's a tournament team. How they're playing, major changes need to happen. Even after those last two wins, so. I hope they can turn it around. I hope we have to apologize to Jerry Stackhouse. I don't see it happening right now, but if the team can shoot like they did in the first half against UNC Greensboro, hell, we might have a fun season ahead, but I don't see it happening consistently. Can you just imagine Memorial like it oh, was in the early 2000s for us? I need it. Just you, I, I just vividly remember walking into a Tennessee game and everybody was in white. And there was Vanderbilt fans everywhere, and it was loud, and it was raucous, and people were crazy. And I, I'm God, man, it was it. It's a special place. Let's do it this year, Jerry. It. Let's turn this shit around. Let's do it this year. Let's have an entire episode of TDR of us apologizing. Yeah, I hope that I, happens. I will get on my hands and knees, and I will say, Jerry, I'm so sorry. Regardless of all the negativity we spewed, I also tweeted out the uh, gambling pick I made against UNC Greensboro. Yeah, you bet on Vanderbilt every single time. Oh, yeah. That's the part I don't think people understand is I'm very good at taking my my heart out of my picks a majority of the time. That does not hold true with the Vanderbilt Commodores or the Tennessee Titans. Have you ever bet against Vanderbilt football? No. <laughs> no. I don't like you could go back and look at every bet I've ever made, even on uh, offshore gambling accounts back when I was like 18. I've never bet against Vanderbilt. Never will. Never ever. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe. <laughs> that might be the issue. We were at honest. the Auburn tailgate and you're like, I'm going to put money on the Vanderbilt line. And I, we were like, Will, don't do it. You're like, too late. I already did. I ne- <laughs> the th- I the funny did thing it. is I never like I'm a unit better. So people will make fun when I actually tweet out my stuff. But I'm like, no, I'm just a, a $10 equals one unit for me right now. So but the only time I'll make bets that don't coincide with unit betting are Vanderbilt like I did with the $700 bet against LSU. But we want 100 of it back, baby, against we, UNC hey, Greensboro. Hey. You only lose money gambling if you quit. Yeah. Scared, so if you, scared money don't make money. Yeah. If you quit, if you quit gambling, you're a loser. That's all I have to say. <laughs> all right. Next up, we have Miller. This is a quick one. Hey, guys. Long time listener. I uh, just want to hear your thoughts on who you want as our new coordinator, since it seems pretty obvious we're not going to get rid of Lee this offseason. And in basketball, what is our ceiling? Once we get the three players back, I think we still are a tournament team, but we have some work to do. First question. He sounded so sad. Yeah, he did sound he's, sad. Uh, he's, he was in a bad place. Shout out Miller McKee. Uh, dog. His name on Twitter right now is Miller in parentheses. Please just win. Close parentheses. So I, I feel that. Yeah, as far as coordinators go, I'm going to wait and see what the market looks like after the season. Ask me again in two weeks. DC, I'm along with Trevor. I want Muschamp. Bring him, baby. Bring me him. Talk about somebody that could turn around the mentality of Vanderbilt football. But, yeah, we will probably – we'll do a recap episode after the football season. I mean, Sean Lewis is going to be on the market. Yeah, so after, after Vanderbilt goes 2-10 and 10 and loses to Tennessee, then we can start seeing some movement and who Vanderbilt can realistically get at those coordinator positions. I think that's a, it's a little premature. Like you were asking me about 
how hard Vanderbilt's going to hit the transfer portal and what guys could be pushed out. And I'm like, ah, let's, we're still a couple weeks away from really even thinking about that right now. So let's finish out this season, and then uh, there will be plenty of time to speculate mm-hmm. on the coordinators. Now, the other question is where do you see the cap on this team right now? And that's a tough question as Phoebe rubs up against the camera. He's going to push off the MacBook. Oh, my God, that was close. If you're watching on YouTube, that was stressful. That was a stressful interaction. Chat, but I'm going to take her back. But, Phoebe, you're going back to the shelter. But it is an interesting question because I still think this team, I think before the year, you put them at like 70% going to make the tournament. I said I did, yeah. I said 30 or 30 or 35%. I still put them at that. I think it can be done. I, I still think getting Tyron back, they can make the tournament. I just, looking at this role, I didn't expect it to happen game one, but I thought they'd pick up a loss in the non-con that didn't make sense. And then I thought they would just be middle of the pack in the SEC again and miss the tournament as an NIT team. It wasn't that I thought the team would fall off the face of the earth, but I just thought it would be really similar to what we saw last year. So I think the cap on this team is still making the tournament. We're not ready to give up. Like, as negative as we were last episode, me and Trevor want to be talking about meaningful basketball in February. That's all we want. Mm -hmm. Please give us meaningful basketball in February. So I think it still can be done, especially when they get their three guys back in Van Allen Lubin, Tyron Lawrence, and Lee Dort. It can be. It's just, can you avoid those losses that will hold you down early in the season? They've already had one. Can they avoid picking up another detrimental loss, Trevor? That's the question. There's no room for error. It has to be perfect here on out. And and that's where I'm going to drop from 70 down to about 15%. Um, I, I, I truly think too much damage has already been done. Okay, maybe 35 loss. was too high. I, I, I think too much damage has already been done. Um, because sports, college sports in general are such a funky thing, man. Like you could get tired out and we could go on a roll and then just drop an absolute bogus one to LSU like we did last year. It just, just, just weird things happen in college sports. And I, I truly think too much damage has been done. already. This is the frustration. Why we were so angry after the Presbyterian game. It's not that me and Trevor think this team is going to be an embarrassment. Once they get their guys back. I think that they will be a competitive SEC team once they get their roster back. It's just if you can learn from your mistakes from the previous couple of years, especially last year, win these early non-con games, then you can get into the SEC play, lose the game to LSU on the road, mm-hmm. get blown out by Alabama. You'll still make the tournament. The problem is now you have to exceed what you did last year, mm-hmm. finishing tied for fifth in conference. That's not good enough. And you've once again done, that's not good enough. You have to do more in conference play. I think somebody tweeted uh, at me directly after I quoted Joey Dwyer's tweet about Vanderbilt moving down to 120 in the Ken Palm. I quoted it with, uh, that Presbyterian loss is going to haunt Vanderbilt the rest of the season. Somebody said something along the lines of, yes, it will. 22 wins has to be the target now because of that loss. And that's true. Without the Presbyterian loss, the win-loss target would be 20. You basically just added two wins that you have to pick up against better competition with that one loss. So it can be done. Will it be done? I think I sit with you, Trevor. 15 to 20%. I want to see him turn it around. I think Tyron is that good that he can bring in that energy bringing that turnaround but it's still going to be a lot at this point and we're just we're just accepting that when tyron backs tyron's back he's going to be a hundred percent 
Yeah. I mean, he may be coming back not at 100%, and he has to be at 100%. And there's going to be rust even if he is 100 He's the guy. Yep. I mean, that's Ezra has been incredible, but Ezra's a complimentary piece. Mm-hmm. And right now he's the main guy. Colin Smith did a great job against UNC Greensboro, kind of breaking out of that slump. But really, Tyron is still number one. Yep. Ezra and Colin Smith are the complimentary pieces. And you're seeing right now that they are just not capable of being the main pieces on a tournament team. So, Tyron, we need you. Yeah, we need you. He's, need he's the straw that stirs the drink. Yeah, we need Tyron back. We have one more talking with TDR call to get to here. My voice keeps cracking. I haven't had this happen in a long time. What's going on here? But we have Mark from Mark in White Bluff, last one here on Talking with TDR. Hey, this is Mark and White Bluff. Hope you guys are doing well. Love the podcast. Long-time listener, first-time responding. Simple question, just one. With the frustrations that we have, hardcore, long-time fans of Vanderbilt football, um, is this possibly one of the top three worst teams that we have had in the last 20 to 30 years, or as far back as you guys can go, um, in terms of record? coaching malpractice and what we thought was going to happen versus what happened. Yeah. I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Appreciate you. Have a great day. That is an interesting question that my assuming he was talking about football. football. My gears are turning right now. Um, this has not been worse. Well, it hasn't been 2020 was worse. Uh, the, but given it, the talent, was too, it a, but 2020, I almost like throw out because yeah, they're, they, they went 0 and 9, but damn, that's a brutal all SEC schedule. And it's everybody weird. was counting that as a, as a winless season. Yeah. The, I mean, that year, 2020 during the COVID year with the all the conference schedule, I almost like throw that one out. Yeah. It's why I always say that if they would have just fired Derek Mason after 2019, like all the fans wanted. And not lifted him up, lifted him up as a sacrificial lamb. Yeah. for that COVID season, I know they didn't know that was coming, but we would have much fonder memories. We would of Derek Mason if they didn't have that 2020 year. So I would say 2020 was embarrassing. Just the overall state of the program, having to forfeit basically the game against Georgia, withdraw out of it, female kicker. But that's almost a different year. That's like something separated out of reality. It's hard. Are they? Is it worse than the 2009-2010 team? Because both those went two and ten. But like, if you look at the roster, if you look at those rosters, you're like, dang, they had some guys that we like hold in very I would high say, regard. I would say oh nine, probably very, very like that's right when my perception of reality really started kicking in and understanding was after that oh eight bowl game. But oh nine's really blurry to me. But 2-10, and 0-8 in conference after coming off a bowl victory with Larry Smith at returning at quarterback that basically won that game for them in the Music City Bowl. So 2009, they went 2-10, and 0-8 and in conference. That's maybe a year. I would also say, yeah, the 2020 year. I mean, it's hard to find a game or a season that's as disappointing. 2014. 2014 was rough. Was brutal. But they did win that three, was, But that was the first year, but they went they went winless in conference. Yeah. 2013 was brutal. 2014 was brutal because of the expectations from the previous year. I think that's what make the, makes this year feel worse. Yeah. Is, is the, the expectations is were the so high. finish of last season and the expectations going in. I would almost say 2014. 
I know that was year one under Derek Mason, so it was the first year under a new tenure. But that was a team coming off a bowl game, and that was a team coming off a nine and four season, and they went out and went three and nine. I know it's maybe a better record. Then you would really just have to get back to the dregs to the to the my, early two thousands. My dad, and, says, and then that was just year in year out. Yeah, I mean what we're seeing now was literally just every single year for a while. My dad says this team reminds him of like the Rod Dauhauer teams. He says they're that bad offensively and defensively. Um, 2019 was bad. Just be they still won a conference. They game, did though, though. but that was coming off the success of three straight bowl games into one and seven in conference, three and nine overall in 2019. So that's a tough question. But this I would say this worst. is this is up there. This is worse than 2014 seasons. for me. Yeah, personally, this is worse than the than Derek Mason's first season for me. For me, it's not. And the only reason I say it's not is I truly didn't think that Vanderbilt would ever fall down to the point again that they had. I thought James Franklin, I was wrong, but I thought at the time James Franklin had laid the groundwork that Vanderbilt was beyond the point of going three and nine. I, I just, in my dumb brain, yeah. I just thought they've had this success for an extended enough period of time. The base floor is four and eight, five and seven competitive. And truly in that first year under Derek Mason, you went, oh shit, it may have really just been James Franklin was that good. Yeah. And so I think 2014 is worse for me. I think 2020 is kind of a throwaway year with COVID, but maybe worse in the overall national I, I think people forget how bad that was yeah. for Vanderbilt. I mean, they were truly like the number one joke yep. across all of college athletics after they trotted out Sarah Fuller yeah. and then withdrew from the Georgia game. Yep. They were truly at the point of almost eliminating a football program, yeah, as yeah. close as you can get, like UAB vibe, yeah. eliminating the program. There was I, I really felt like there was a real possibility of that, so... I'll say it's up there with the worst seasons I've experienced, but I'll still say 2014 was worse. And 2020, different, but yeah. also maybe worse. But this An is right by there. 2020. This is right there yeah. with the worst seasons I've experienced. And, and I would love for other people that have experienced more years of Vanderbilt football to comment if they've seen worse years and experienced worse years as fans. I would say, in my opinion, this is, like I said, this is worse than 2014 for me. Because like he said, he, he had the, the caveat, and, and you've hit on this too, with the expectation we yeah. had going into the season. Um, everybody, most people thought this would be a bowl team. Even Clark Lee said this should, we should we're playing for a postseason play. Um, I thought too, with the talent you had coming in on this team, um, you thought they could really make some noise. Um, and just too, man, they had, there, there was hope. Like there was hope amongst fans. There was, there was hope. hope. There was, you really felt that, oh man, this, this could actually be different. You know yeah. what I mean? As opposed to with Franklin, as wonderful as it was, I think it hit everybody upside the head. And like, you didn't really know what to do with it in the moment. You're like, oh my God, this is what's going on. Like it nobody expected it, but like this, you're like, man, there's like, there's something to it. I don't you know, know what the I right mean. word is sustainable. Yeah. But under Franklin, it never felt sustainable. That's a great point. It yeah. felt like Clark Lee was building something that's like, oh shit, this might be sustainable. This it never might see continued success. Yeah, it never felt like during Frank during Mason's tenure that those six and six records were sustainable. No. It felt like things were working out and falling perfectly in place. We weren't mad about it. No, yeah. I wasn't mad about it. They were beating Tennessee to go to bowl eligibility. Yeah. But it didn't feel sustainable. 
after last season, you were like, damn, we just went five and seven and we feel kind of disappointed. Yeah. With a lot of performances. It's like they might actually be building something here and then you're just back Mm -hmm. to square one. That's hard to accept for any fan base. But Trevor, that's all the calls for talking with TDR. Great calls. Great calls. That will not be the last time. Those are really good. As I burp. Voice cracking, burping. Voice crack, burping. It's been a long Sheesh. week. It's hump day. It's Wednesday. Phoebe tried to break the computer. Phoebe's cuddling now. Yeah, Phoebe's so. in a sweet. Oh, she's just, I wish people zonked. Yeah. Like, this is my no ideal No comment spot. to be made. She's absolutely zonked in my lap right now. But Trevor, anything else to add before we close out 248 here? See you guys Memorial on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> I might be. <laughs> See I'm me at 2L, baby. I'm back. He's back, baby. The asylum in 2L. For, It'll just be me, my girl, and then, like, just, I don't know, a couple old people. <laughs> I don't know. She's like, is this what you're so excited about? I'm like, just, you don't just get it. The, let me have you don't my get moment, it. please. <laughs> For myself, Will Byram, and my co-host, Trevor Hewlin, this has been episode 248 of The Door Report, powered by Corey Perkins of Parks Realty.